0: everyone. I want to thank everyone for being here tonight. I think we are incredibly lucky in Medfield and you've probably heard me say it on multiple occasions to have such a hands on representative for Medfield, um, especially during COVID. It's been just so helpful to me um, as your town administrator and for the town to have representative garlic an email, a text or a phone call away. Um, it's been very helpful as we try to navigate through our CARES funding, our ARPA funding, um, and just general COVID issues. Um, but tonight, I also wanna thank Representative Garlick. We had been trying for years uh, to find the funding for new voting machines. And I am very happy to report that uh, the representative was helpful in securing that funding uh, through a grant for us. And the voting machines have actually been delivered and they will be used for our annual town election at the end of March so thank you very much for bringing us into um, at least the 20th century from where we were (laughs) Um, and just it's my honor and privilege to to work with you and an honor to introduce you uh, to the town of Medfield tonight.
1: Well thank you Christine and thank you for those kind words and for this opportunity because it gives me a chance to express my respect and my gratitude to you and through you to all of the Medfield Town staff for your public service. Thank you. I think in the last two years, we have learned the impact of public service, not only on our health and safety, but our quality of life for all the citizens of Medfield. And um, it is my pleasure to have this opportunity to say thank you to you.
0: Thank you very much. Appreciate You're that. You're
1: welcome. And well, hello, Medfield. So this is the annual representatives report um, when you see the slide, our evening is set out um, and uh, presentation, I will speak for 30 minutes starting the clock now. Um, I th- hope that you saw on our cover sheet that if you need closed captions, you can actually plug into that on your own computer. The and Around asking questions, just so we're prepared for that, I will speak for 30 minutes and then we will go into the question and discussion period. You can type your question into the chat and Izzy will call your name. Um, we are taking questions in the order that we've received them. If you are not on your computer, if you are watching this on TV, please call this number. When your number is answered, there will be a voicemail. Voice your question into that voicemail. Isabel will hear that question and she will repeat that question to me during that period of time. So thank you for participating, it's a great way and one of the most important parts of this program is that discussion period that we have. So I wanted to thank my team, and you see many of them on screen now. Um, I think in the last two years, they have been such unsettled times that And there have been so many uncertainties that we've all been trying to figure out. And many times people have felt that they were alone trying to figure this out. Information was changing quickly and they were trying to figure it out with with small groups of people in their family or um, feeling very much alone. I want you to know that you are not alone. You are not alone. I have been working with you and for you every single day through this time period. And I am not alone. And I am not alone because of this extraordinary team. And when I talk about public service, the energy and integrity these individuals bring to their job has made it possible for us to serve the town of Medfield well. And I'd like this opportunity for them to introduce themselves and periodically in this presentation, they'll speak to you.
2: Thank you. Hi, my name is Colin Fedor, and
3: I um, have the pleasure of serving as Chief of Staff for Representative Garlic.
2: Hello, everyone. My name is Chris Torrey, and I am Chair Garlic's Research Director.
4: Hi, I'm Elena Christopoulos. I'm a researcher for Chair Garlic in the Committee on Bills and Third Reading.
5: Hi, I'm Isabel Lane, and I'm Representative Garlic's Legislative Aid. I'm Maureen Callahan. I serve as Representative Garlic's district legislative
1: aide. And we all together um, work to serve the people of the 13th Norfolk, which is Needham, Dover and Medfield. As you know, in our Commonwealth, we've just gone through a redistricting, and my district has stayed the same. I represent um, all of Needham, all of Dover, precincts one and two in Medfield. Um, The total population of Medfield is 12,911 people according to the 2020 census. I represent 6,508 of those residents and no streets in my district have changed at all. I wanted to share with you the positions I currently hold and my previous positions. The previous positions are listed here. Many of you may know, or those that are just meeting me for the first time, that I'm a registered nurse. And I have brought my education and my experience to the House of Representatives, elected in 2010 and starting to serve in 2011. I've served on health care committees. I've served as the vice chair of Ways and Means and um, certainly was a leader on the House COVID-19 Working Group in the last year. Presently, I'm the chair of the House Committee on Bills and Third Reading. Um, a member of the Opioid Recovery and Remediation Fund Advisory Council, and the chair of the Permanent Commission on the Status of of Individuals with Disabilities. Um, I want to talk about that a little bit more in full, but let you know that my experiences as a nurse, as a mother of four young adults, two of whom now are raising their own families, and a daughter with developmental disabilities that lives with me, that my work is always added Every experience I've had, I don't leave a position to take another position. I carry all that experience with me. So I'd like to talk a little bit to you about being the chair of bills in third reading. Like what exactly is this? So in the House of Representatives, in the session of 2021 and 2022, which is a one session, a two year period, 7,776 bills have been filed. They're sorted through a process where they um, go to a committee, the committee then sorts them and says the disposition of the bill is favorable, the bill should continue to move forward, the bill ought not to pass, it stops it, or the bill needs to be studied. Favorable bills then go through a couple of steps, but they ultimately come to the bills, the the um, committee of bills in third reading, or they go to ways and means and then to on bills and third reading. A favorable disposition, I want you to know, is not an automatic pass-through to the floor. There's a great deal of work that has to be done. So, Elena, can you explain the process of once a bill comes to the Committee on Bills and Third Reading?
4: Sure. Once we are physically in possession of a bill, the committee is tasked with checking its contents for both accuracy and intent. Each bill we receive receives thorough review, in this process, a summary is drafted and the bill's history is carefully outlined. We then check to make sure all the necessary documents are included, like homeworld petitions or town or city charters. Chair Garlick works closely with her colleagues in the legislature through this process, ultimately striving to ensure that no legislation passed through her committee is too onerous or intrusive and that the final bill put out does not have any negative effect on the Commonwealth. Thank you. And by the Massachusetts Constitution, contrary
1: to what you might hear in the press, the House of Representatives is prohibited from adjourning for more than two days. So there are informal sessions that are held and there are formal sessions that have held. The House met 127 times in 2021. Um, when we do bring a bill to the floor and sometimes we bring it in informal session and sometimes we bring it in formal session, What I want you to know is in informal, Though we vote for many, many bills, no bill that is opposed by any one representative can move forward. But without any opposition, we do process many bills. But Chris, can you take us through the process of what a session actually looks like and what it is to move a bill?
2: Certainly, Chair. Uh, so uh, a typical session day is a culmination of weeks of work between uh, Chair Garlic, uh, other representatives, House Council, and committee staff to prep the bills for release to the House floor. Uh, one, uh, once the chair gives her approval and House Council finishes their review, the physical papers of the bills are actually brought to the chair and she signs them as correctly drawn. Uh, once the bills are signed, they are brought to the House clerk who will read the bills for a third and final time on the floor of the House. Uh, Only then can the House continue debate and vote on the legislation. Uh, During session, the committee may be ordered, uh, bills may be ordered to the committee uh, from other committees. Uh, Once uh, that happens, we pick those up from the House clerk and we start our process all over again uh, to prep the bills
1: uh, to go
2: to the House floor.
1: So this is an intense process that we're engaged in, both in the Um, thoughts about the bill, the deliberation on the bill, the decisions around the bill, and it's a physical process as well, as bills have to have ink signatures that you can see in front of you as we're moving a bill forward. Um, The other issue that I wanted to talk to you about and that I share a great affinity with Medfield on is my concern for individuals with disabilities. Um, We have um, seated a commission on the status of person with disabilities through the law enforcement reform bill. That bill was just a vehicle. It doesn't necessarily connect those two issues. But it gave us an ability to have a permanent, meaning we can have short-term and long-term goals, and a funded commission, which means that we can have staff so we can do significant work. One of the things that our work has just begun, but we are trying very much to model the behavior and attitudes that we believe individuals with disabilities deserve. And so in setting up these meetings, just like the closed captions for tonight, we did a great deal of work. And Colin, I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about the work entailed to making a meeting accessible for every resident of the Commonwealth who wishes to be able to participate in it, either observing or being able to speak.
2: Sure, so um, as Representative Garlic said, we really wanted to make sure that anyone who wanted to watch the meeting and participate could. So we, for all, all of our commission meetings, we've had two American Sign Language interpreters present um, so that they're able to communicate that way. We also have CART services, which provides a live person captioning, um, unlike tonight, which is um, automatic, but you have a live person off-site recording videos and making it available to someone um, on screen. And then we also were able to live stream them on the legislature's website um, where you can watch it in real time or you can watch a recording of it.
1: Thank you. And Eleanor, I'm going to come back to you. I am the only legislator who was a member of the Opioid Recovery and Remediation Fund Advisory Council. And this is the council that is choosing where we're going to put the monies that the Commonwealth is receiving from our lawsuits against the drug companies who had a role in the opioid epidemic. Um, there's uh, four different ways in which we're beginning to um, exercise this money. Elena, can you take us through those buckets?
4: Sure. So um, just a month ago on January 5th, the council approved approximately $10 million in funding to four areas. The first area ex, um, is for expansion of harm reduction services in syringe service programs. The second is increasing access to methadone through mobile methadone programs. The third, strengthening supportive recovery housing. And lastly, the fourth, case management and support through multidisciplinary community outreach teams.
1: Thank you, Elena. And I have been a particular member of this council with a strong focus, certainly on individuals with disabilities. The acquired brain injury um, population has, by statistics, a high rate of substance use disorder. And the second focus I try to bring is ensuring that resources are going to make a strong network between acute care facilities and community resources so that individuals in recovery can travel along a smooth course. So, what does this mean, this work at the statewide level to us in the community? Well, let's talk about community outreach how I get information and how I give information. Um, I've listed here some of the organizations and ways that I reach out, and I want to take this moment, and again, to recognize public service and the uh, um, work of Paul Hinckley through the Medfield Housing Authority with uh, tenants who he supported and had friendships with, and his public service contributed to their quality of life. And I want to just have a moment to say thank goodness and thank Memo that we had a chance to have Medfield Days. The next slide is around listening to your concerns and in the variety of ways that I do that. I then want to take that information that I've shared and information I've gotten and speak about serving constituents. We put together a pie chart from our office about what we thought was the breakdown of how our work and what we were concentrating in the past year was. Um, I will call your attention to the purple slice of the pie that says water, and that had a great deal to do with your neighbors over in Dover and their water issues. Um, I At the bottom of this slide, you see we received over 500 requests for assistance. I want to kind of explain that to you. When we receive a call from a constituent, they're noted on the call log as an individual constituent. One call can be solved maybe rather quickly, usually not. The call to the state rep is usually the call of last resource with a complicated issue. But sometimes it is one individual with two or 10 calls before we can actually come to a solution. The person who is so steadfast and intrepid in this work is Maureen Callahan. Maureen, can you talk to us about the kind of calls we get?
5: Certainly. We get all kinds of calls, but um, as people can see from the pie chart, on um, the last two years have been particularly difficult for people um, with filing for unemployment. So we have handled an enormous number of calls trying to help them through the system, uh, whether there's a problem with their claim, just getting them the attention they need to set, get resolution and get those benefits flowing. So we've done a lot of that, but um, we also, it runs the gamut. It can be Department of Revenue, there's a tax issue. Uh, They need help with somebody trying to uh, figure out filing online, or there's a problem. Um, So, RMV issues have changed so significantly during the pandemic. A lot of that went online, and you couldn't go in person. So, we try to work with just a lot of the different state agencies to get people the help that they need.
1: And the The piece of the pie chart referring to municipal or federal matters, that might be something like Social Security that someone calls us about, but really is a federal issue. But more than that, it is the very strong relationship we're trying to develop with the congressperson who represents the fourth district. And um, that has been integral, as Christine talked about, about the ARPA money and the CARES money coming from the federal government. So we hear from all of you. This is how we're focusing our work. How have we supported the community? One of the ways was the way that Christine talked about in securing the 75000 for the voting machines. And I'm thrilled we're going to be using them in March. The next slide is actually also very tellable. Medfield has been the recipient of several state grants, including grants to small businesses, house planning grants, and cultural grants. And Medfield also received a shared student spaces grant to purchase materials. Um, and around the dining locations when we're in the midst of COVID and looking for outdoor dining. This takes two things to happen. It's a very committed town staff um, that is willing to work on these grants. Um, It certainly is the support of your legislative delegation and Medfield has done an extraordinary job in securing resources. Medfield has also done an extraordinary job on vaccines, boosters and testing. And I just want to give kudos to the Medfield residents. This is one of the highest rates of vaccination in the Commonwealth. And the Medfield Board of Health, Capsie Thompson from the Medfield Public School um, nurse leader, parent volunteers like Liz Sanderman, the new public health nurse, Brenda Haley, have all contributed. And it contributes not only to the health and safety of our children, but to the entire Medfield community. Well done, Medfield. The way we share all this information is through fresh garlic. Fresh garlic is um, a way in the pandemic. We were putting out daily um, newsletters during the pandemic. When we got to the summer of 2020, we then went to twice a week emails, and now we are doing one email a week. We have put out 81 constant contact emails just in 2021 alone. We've done more than 70 issues of fresh garlic. I wanted to talk to Isabel. Izzy is the person who helps us. The fresh garlic is a personal note and then it's information from towns in the district and then statewide information. So, Izzy, how do you decide what information for the towns and from the state needs to be shared?
5: So, a lot of the information we get is sent directly to us from the state and state agencies. On the town, we look at the town's social media and the town's website and we also take any emails or um, submissions we get from constituents in the district regarding events, um, local meetings and things like that.
1: Thank you, Iz, and thank you for your extraordinary work. So I'm going to help us shift now and talk a little bit about the budget and legislation. I am known to say that a good idea without money is just a good idea. Down the bottom, if we go back to that just for one second, Maureen, down the bottom you'll see at the footer is the process for which the the budget is developed. We presently have the governor's bill um, budget submitted. House Ways and Means is now looking at the budget and um, we will vote on that budget the last week in April. So the FY22 budget was $47.6 billion. What did it look like? It was developed into these areas and this also includes the ARPA money and some of the state funding that we had and what we were trying to do to allocate these monies going forward. For us in for the state budget and for the people of Medfield, I thought you'd be very interested in knowing that $608 million was exercised for mental health services um, around the environment and the ways that we were dealing with many of the um, climate change issues. You'll see monies here. Education, Chapter 70 funding for public schools, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, specifically to Medfield, um, was set at $5.5 billion for the Commonwealth. And I put food security here, not only because the Medfield food cupboard has done such an extraordinary job, but what they brought to light across the Commonwealth is that many, many residents are food insecure. Um, and we are greatly concerned about what we have learned further about this issue and particularly about our school children who are food insecure. So I do think COVID has helped us to understand that issue more clearly. When we get to the Medfield budget, right, local aid, as you may know, is money that comes into the town of Medfield that is unrestricted. The town of Medfield can choose how to use this money. Um, The FY23, you know, I want you to notice that each year the money has gone up, but the FY23 proposed is the governor's budget. I do not expect that number to go down at all. And I do believe that that number will go up as we go through the House and Senate deliberations. The chapter 70 money is the public education money that is targeted to public education. You'll see here as well, that that money has increased. That money is based on a formula. Um, There's been a great deal of work on the formula um, through the Student Opportunity Act. We are fully funding the Student Opportunity Act. Very important to um, my work and, and my focus is we are also fully funding the special education circuit breaker with transportation. And I always look very carefully at the METCO budget as well. When we get to legislation, Again, you know, I talked to you about informal sessions where business does take place as well as formal sessions. I voted 121 times in 2021. Those are formal roll call votes. I testified 33 times. What that's about is now that I'm the chair of Bills in Third Reading, which is um, a final step for a bill to come to the floor, I am not co-sponsoring bills but I am working very, very hard to advance bills. Not only my own bills, I've sponsored 30 bills, but bills that are important to my constituents. The way I do that is through letters of support, through oral testimony, through written testimony, and through formal and informal conversations with the committee chairs and committee members. So what are those issues that I'd like to talk to you about on the 30 bills that I have sponsored, let me highlight just five to you and tell you how we're doing with that. The first is school operational efficiency. I want you to know this came from my work in our district in a discussion that was a brainstorming session with the Needham superintendent and the Needham, um, the woman who's the head of Needham Finance for the Needham Public Schools. And we were talking about, the money that is presently comes to the schools, how we could better utilize it. Where were the barriers? What was making, slowing us down? What were obstacles that um, were decreasing the efficiency of using that bill? We looped in the superintendents of Dover and Medfield right away. And Jeff Mazin came into that meeting. And now in our second session of trying to pass this bill, we have the support of superintendents right across the Commonwealth, and today I was on a call with the Mass Association of the School Business Officers who are in full support of this bill. This is a nuts and bolts bill. There's nothing thrilling about this, but it gives us greater flexibility and efficiency to the school budget. And it's consistent. It makes consistency between the way we can purchase things now and the way we're trying to meet learning needs going forward. The second bill is the Veterans Survivors Benefits, which I was working on again today, hoping to maybe get into a bill that I'm looking at soon. But this bill came with, from a discussion with the local Veterans and the VFW post. And what the veterans were aware of is there's a disconnect between the federal definition of disability and who can receive an annuity benefit a death benefit when a disabled veteran dies between the federal government and the state. And that the present annuity that Um, a loved one receives a one-time annuity benefit is $2,000 in Massachusetts today. That that number has not increased in 17 years. This bill tries to fix those definitions, tries to increase the annuity. Workplace violence is something, when I said I bring my education and experience forward with me as a nurse who's worked in healthcare facilities, union, non-union, community, rural, and large urban acute care facilities, Workplace violence has been prevalent always in healthcare facilities. COVID has exacerbated that issue. Statistics tell us that over 1 million people working in healthcare facilities, whether you're a nurse, a doctor, the x-ray tech, the phlebotomist, the transport person, or in custodial services, there you can be a victim of workplace violence. This bill calls for a facility-specific violence, workplace violence plan, for care and treatment of the healthcare workers, and for accountability. Strengthening local public health is um, the third major, major bill that I am the chief sponsor of. I have worked on this. I would make the case to you since 2004 when I was elected to the Needham Board of Health and was their chair, but since becoming a representative, have worked to increase the conversation and the discussion about how local and regional public health can be strengthened and what we need and deserve from the state, BPH. And um, this bill, it strengthens the collaboration between the local boards of health It improves data collections that we found out in COVID was very, uh, during, um, during COVID, was very fragmented um, across our Commonwealth. It strengthens the workforce and establishes standards. This is an incredible bill In one session, we seated the commission, we got the recommendations, we did the first safe bill, that's what we're calling it, which is the State Action Plan for Public Health Excellence. This is the second iteration of that bill. And I am the chief sponsor for Medicare for All. We need to always have on the front burner our conversations about healthcare in Massachusetts. We have been a leader in the country, but it is undeniable that we see that resources that are needed for direct care patient services are expended in administrative ways that are redundant, that are overwhelming. We can do better with the money we have for healthcare. We can give healthcare that is accessible and affordable to all residents, and we can be a leader in this nation. The key legislative actions on a broader um, plane that I have worked on in 2021 is um, around a lot of discussion around the American Rescue Plan Act, and that's called the ARPA funding, right? That was the big money that the state got from the federal government. I voted on a genocide education bill, vitally important. You know, this bill had been in process for several sessions, and with many people that were advocating for it, it became urgent when the Commonwealth witnessed the Duxbury football system, um, the football team, and the blatant anti-Semitism that was um, in some way accepted and condoned by that football staff. And we knew then that there was the urgency for this bill was now. We have seen anti-Semitism across the entire Commonwealth, the information around genocide education. Whether we're talking about the Holocaust or we're talking about the Armenian Holocaust or what's happening currently in the world today will help all of our students. If you don't know your history, then you're doomed to repeat it. The bill on student nutrition um, goes back to the issue around food insecurity. And um, this is um, legislation that contributes to making sure that Students have students that need food will have food and there will be no social shaming of those individuals. The healthcare market review, we talked about these big systems not crowding out our smaller community hospitals and our networks. Redistricting, we've all lived through that time, and we still know some of that work is happening. The COVID 19 paid sick leave, I want you to know, is not only for individuals who have experienced COVID and their need for themselves and their families, but also to support small businesses. And the voting rights and election security bill, I have voted on this bill. I am proud of Massachusetts history and our work to advance voting rights. And the bill is currently in conference committee. So around accomplishments and building a stronger um, commonwealth, I want you to know what should we be thinking about in 2022? Um, On your right-hand side, you will see the issues that are foremost that I believe we will be discussing and that we need to be discussing moving forward. Um, One of those that is the workforce. The workforce is going to impact every other single one of those issues around public health, around early education and childcare, and around um, human services. Human services is so fragmented now, I'm deeply concerned for the most vulnerable people in our Commonwealth who um, need to be served by a strong workforce or who would like to join a workforce and cannot do that presently. Um, That is important work that we have to look at. And in surveys across the Commonwealth, we hear over and over again that the number one issues in our Commonwealth our housing and transportation. So a real focus on that. I wanna thank all of the organizations and I'm I'm hoping that we've listed as many as possible that we had space for around our work for, you know, Medfield is an extraordinary community. It's an extraordinary community because the residents of Medfield choose to work together. They choose to try and um, find common goals and they choose to try and lift up um, the other residents. That's important work. And I'm I'm grateful for that kind of attitude and um, for the strength of the Medfield community. And I wanna thank Medfield TV. I don't think we can understate in any way the role that Medfield TV has played in keeping us communicating with each other, keeping us aware of what's going on, in the community and helping us to advance the conversations we should be having to have the kind of community we have. And finally, I want to be sure that you know how to contact me and um, I want to hear from you. I hope you know that I want to hear from you if you have a concern, I wanna hear if you have an issue, I wanna hear if you have an interest and I wanna hear just how things are really going for you it informs my work every single day. I wanna thank you. It is, it is an honor to be the state representative for precincts one and two in Medfield and in my heart, for the entire town of Medfield. We now want to go on to this question period. And if you felt like I was going through this quickly, it was because I was going through this quickly. Um, I think a half an hour of a presentation, even with this extraordinary staff helping us um, is, is asking your concentration for a long period of time. And I do believe that the purpose of this time is so that I can also hear from you. Just to repeat the way we're going to address questions. If you have written questions in the chat, Izzy will call your name and you can state your question to me. If you were on the telephone and called in a question, Izzy will read that question and we will take the questions as we have received them. So Izzy, I turn this over to you.
5: Wonderful. So our first question will be from Dave Sherman.
1: Hey, Dave. Let me see.
2: Hi there, I believe I am now unmuted, is that
1: correct? You are unmuted and I hear your voice, Dave. Hi there. Um Um, So what's the status of the states
2: addressing reverse triage crisis standards of care beyond that October 20 draft? And where's the relevant uh, legislative legislative committee on investigating it?
1: So I'm I'm going to start with the second part of the question first. The relevant committee to address this would be the Joint Committee on Public Health. And then the Joint Committee on Public Health, with the disposition of that, would send it to the, the Joint Committee on Healthcare Financing, and then it goes to Ways and Means. Dave, I would tell you, um, for anyone who's listening, Dave Sherman and I know each other. Dave Sherman is an extraordinary nurse who works in acute care and who has given great thought and concern to these crisis standards of care. David, I, I must tell you, it has fallen off the radar for the discussions that we should be having. And I am dismayed by that, as I'm sure you are. Once the emergency order was lifted in Massachusetts and the command center was disbanded, um, the focus then shifted um, to to, um, the kind of maintenance of COVID and where we are today. Um, I give you my word, I will have these discussions. We need to have this in place, not when we're trying to make decisions in a crisis, but when we can really all sit down and think together. part of the work of the Commission for Individuals with Disabilities. There's um, several commissioners that would like this to be front and center when we talk about crisis um, standards of care and what it means to individuals in the disability community. So I do know that I too will be engaged in those discussions.
3: Mm -hmm. Izzy?
5: So we do not have any further questions yet. So if you do have any questions, please type them in the chat for us.
1: And so by my clock, it is 7.36. I'm going to give us three minutes to see if anybody would like to put a question in the chat. This really is a a very valuable part of our time together tonight. But while I'm giving us a little bit of time to think about that. I wanted to um,
3: also take the opportunity to
1: to talk about um, some of the issues that are on my mind that pertain to our town and how we're going to move forward. Um, I think that One of the things is that the Medfield Housing Authority is ready to move forward with what may well be um, a way to get more housing for older adults in the town of Medfield. Um, That is work that I'd like to be um, part of and understand as we're moving forward. I think the town of Medfield is doing a great deal of work around how it is growing and how it wants to grow I am keeping track um, of what we are talking about for the Medfield State Hospital property and what that envisioning process has led us to and how to move forward. There are ways that I can contribute in support to what the residents of Medfield want as we think about those two really very important issues. Hi, Carol Reed. We I'm getting a message from Carol Reed that says, thank you very much, Rep Gala. Can you expand on the water efforts around Dover? So I would like to do that. And um, if Izzy would like to bring Carol Reed on, maybe Carol could talk to us a little bit about Medfield's work related to the COVID pandemic. But the issue in Dover is um, There are, all of Dover is served by private wells. There is a certain group of residents that were served by a small water company that was called Colonial Water. That company has now been bought by a larger company. In the two years during the pandemic, Dover, those residents, about 130 households, um, had an E. coli contamination in their wells. And now they have a very dramatic, very unsettling discoloration of water that is related to the infrastructure, I believe, and the treatment that was necessary um, to eradicate the E. coli. That has been work that we have done with certainly the town staff, who's been extraordinary, and with the Department of Environmental Protection. Consistent with that was I was able to get resources for the town of Dover to look at um, the data that they needed and to be able to um, have a water consultant looking at these reports. Um, We also filed legislation that has received a favorable report that will not directly be a solution for Dover's problem, but is a lessons learned from a small community dealing with a private water company and legislation that will um, mitigate the problems that had Um, surfaced during that time around communication, around data collection, around who had information, who needed the information. So it's been an extraordinary journey with those residents in Dover um, around their water, which we know is a precious resource. And Carol, if you would like to um, share any of your work on the Medfield Board of Health and the extraordinary people that you work with in this time, you're more than welcome.
6: Denise, thank you. thank you. I I hear an echo, I'm sorry for that. Um, as always, I'm grateful and so many others of us are for your advocacy um, and particularly I wanted to thank you, uh, your work and talk about public health and the safe, safe grant awards. I know we've connected on this that now um, Needham is, uh, mentoring and uh, supporting Dover and Medfield on two initiatives. And we appreciate that because um, having the knowledge that um, 351 cities and towns and different capacities of public health staff, it's, it, we appreciate that. And um, the fact that, that your district Um, can be beneficiaries of that. And our wonderful new public health nurse, Brenda Healy, that you mentioned, is certainly glad about that with the support that she got with the COVID uh, contact tracing this fall with with that. And then the second part of the other funding will start uh, to gear up with staffing. And as you talked about workforce development, but um, our board of health, um, one of, a five-person team, and I appreciate that you mentioned Kathy Thompson, who's a life, you know, 40-year resident of Medfield, who really, uh, Kathy, as as our school nurse leader, really supported the town um, through COVID with uh, contact tracing and case guidance um, in so many ways because our capacity uh, was limited. So we have a diverse and uh, Strong board uh, to Melissa Coughlin is a nurse uh, at uh, Brigham and Women's and vast experience. She's helped out in the school. She's a a substitute nurse in the school, and that's been great. And Holly Rand is a physician's assistant at the Brigham. And Steve Resch is our chair, accepted that position for the second year in a row. And um, I know you know Steve, and he works at the Chan School of Public Health. It's important, though, to say, you know, we are the Board of Health role through Mass General Law 111. We are a policy board. We support the community, but we can't operationalize the mandatory work of of the public health. And um, Christine has done an incredible job during COVID. And I think there's never been a meeting that she hasn't hosted, maybe just a few. And... um, I've said that she's uh, the town manager that I know is the only one that's almost been like a health director. So now with our new nurse, um, who's amazing, we are building our capacity and um, hopefully as time goes on, we'll have more staff as our needs in the community are changing and we're growing. So I always like to talk uh, a lot. So I'm going to stop and and (laughs) thank you. Thank you for, for getting us those resources and for being always uh, responsive to us when we call and reach out.
1: Absolutely, Carol, and this is a moment to thank you. When you know, I want to keep talking about public service, I, I think that at this point in time, people are at the end of their rope and people are easily irritated and frustrated. And I want to talk about the people that are making a difference in our lives that have allowed us to sustain the quality of life we have. And it's individuals like you who are volunteering in public service in Medfield and who are working in public service in my town of Needham. Um, Just this is the difference um, in our lives. And when we talk about um, the what Medfield needs when we're talking about building capacity. This is everything that this bill on local regional public health, the safe 2 bill is that I'm sponsoring, right? It's how do we get resources to the town? How do we allow them to better engage with other towns surrounding them in a more easy and fluid kind of way? How do we set the standards for what we expect? It shouldn't be different expectations of the standards of public health in Needham, than there is in Medfield, than there is in um, Orange, Massachusetts, right? We should have a set of standards that we all ascribe to. We should make it possible for the people who work in public health to be able to meet those standards. And we should give the people in public health an ability to develop a career path moving forward. And we should be trying to support that. So I'm very hopeful about this bill. There's many, many people who care deeply about it. And I wanna thank the entire public health community. 20 years ago when these discussions started, people were very protective, including myself, and very proprietary about their own geographic area. And finally, we have everyone we need at the table pulling in the same direction, and it will make public health in Massachusetts stronger. Massachusetts is the only state in the nation where every single town has their own public health, um, board of health or their own health department, which makes us very fragmented when we look at 351 ways to do it. We're never going to back up from our sense of independence in our individual towns and municipalities, but we can make it easier for people to work together. So
3: we have another question from Bob Sliney. Yeah. Bob?
2: Yeah, the question I had uh, representative was just on the uh, on the minimal growth that's been, that the town has received in state aid over the past three years has demonstrated. Um, it's and not proportionate with other towns. Is there any recourse to that or?
1: So, so I think probably Bob, what frustrates you is that Medfield has a very high Property tax, right? And it's high property tax in Medfield. It is $17.83 per $1,000 of assessed value, right? The state average is $15.24. Medfield is in a difficult position because we don't have a commercial base per se. And um, for any commercial base we do have, we don't have a split tax rate like we do, um, certainly in Needham. So that property tax weight is huge, right? The local aid that the town received is based on a formula. We don't get less than other towns um, based on that formula. It just feels like less because it doesn't alleviate the pressure on the property tax enough. Um, when we went back to not only this money increasing and my hope that we'll increase it over FY23, but I wanna go to the slide where we talk about the grants. I want you to know this is your town government working um, diligently to find money, right? And it takes a lot of work to get grants. I have to tell you that. And then to utilize the grants appropriately. The opera money, right? Which is the American Rescue Plan money that is strengthening the whole Commonwealth but there is money that we're waiting for Bob. that I'm hoping may be very helpful to Medfield and it's around the infrastructure money. So the ARPA money was more um, dedicated to these large issues in the Commonwealth and we were trying to seek one time transformational change in the Commonwealth. But the infrastructure money that is still held up by the federal government because they're still deciding on the boundaries of how to use it There are projects in Medfield, but I am very hopeful that we're going to be able to help in part of, or certainly in part of, and I will work very hard on that issue. Um, I do hear your frustration, Bob. Medfield is is an extraordinary town and um, it takes a lot. It takes a lot to have a community with the quality that Medfield has, not being treated unfairly. It's just that there's nothing that Medfield has that offsets that weight that you're
3: carrying.
5: At this moment, we have no further questions.
1: All right. So by my clock, it's 7.49, which means people that came to this presentation and thinking it might be an hour are getting the gift of 11 minutes. And these days there is no more gift, more, no more precious gift than the gift of time. I want to thank you very much for being here tonight. I want to thank Medfield TV, the people who are here with us in this format, the people who are watching on television, the people who may see it at a different time. It is being live streamed on YouTube. For anyone who is participating as an active citizen, who wants to know more about their town government, who wants to know more about the relationship with the state, who wants to feel like they personally know the person that they have elected is representing them, and that that person that you have sent to do a job feels accountable and is reporting back to you every single year, I thank you for being here. And I thank you for everything that you all are doing. And I hope most of all that you know that you are not alone In this time, that many people are working on your behalf, are working with you, and that I look to the future, particularly to the month of March, I have to tell you, (laughs) um, where I believe we will see the spring. Um, I look to this time with hope and optimism, and I am grateful for all of the working relationships we have had to get through what has been a worldwide pandemic and the most difficult time that generations of Americans have ever seen. So I hope you all take good care and thank you for being here with me tonight.